a welcome back to the show. It is my honor to be joined again by Mr. Brian Zahn. How are you, Brian? I'm doing good, Luke. Thank you. BZ, you're one of like the longtime guests that I continue to coerce into coming back on and talking to me, and I will be forever in debt to you for doing that, so thank you. Well, I, I always say it's an honor to be invited. It's a bigger honor to be invited back. Well, like I keep asking you to come back, and you know the reason. I feel like, I, hopefully I've told you this, I'm getting at that age where like I, I want to give people their flowers before the funeral, you know, like I want to give give go. love to people, but... Like, you're a guy who's committed to your church. You've been doing a long time, faithful work for decades, Mm -hmm. and you've grown, you've matured, and as anyone who started as young as you did, hopefully is, no matter what age, hopefully we're all growing. But, like, I love that you're committed to the church, you do your work, you're faithful to it, you're faithful to the larger Big C Church. So, anyway, i got a lot of respect for you, so I'm always honored to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, one day when I grow up, I want to be like you. I'm never going to be as cool, like, I'm not, like, as rock and roll as you. I'm more like, like meathead, you know. So I don't have like the rock and roll swag that you've got, but I do have a lot of respect for for, for you. I mean, e- even right now, like you're wearing a band shirt. I think that's Black Keys. Black Keys. I love, I have. We shouldn't get off on this tangent, but let's go. I have been a fan of the Black Keys from the very beginning when they were playing clubs that had fifty people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got on the train immediately. And you know that's fun when you when you're a fan of a band that's and nobody knows them, and then then they get real big and you're yeah. kind of like, but they were mine. <laughs> they were okay. Give me give me the uh, five bands that you're listening to most right now. Oh, I don't know if I can give you five, but but like if you want to get on with a band early, fairly early on, I mean, they've had three albums out, but I'm in, I'm totally into Fontaine's DC. Okay, Fontaine's uh, DC. DC stands for Dublin City, so they're an Irish band. Okay. And I just, I love them. I can't stop listening to them. Okay. Fontaine's DC, okay. uh, they have three albums, Dogrel, uh, I forgot the names of them. Most, most recent one is Skinty Fia, okay. which apparently is, is Damn the Deer <laughs> in yeah, Gaelic. Like- and so I'm trying. I'm sure. trying like I'm trying to work that into my vocabulary. You know, What's I'm wrong with a deer? Empty fear. Yeah. What, why? Why are we mad at the deer though? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I this don't know. I don't know. Okay. So Fontaine, DC. You got to give me at least three. Give me. Uh, who? Well, I mean, who are you uh, listening to? Well, I'm I'm reading Bono's uh, memoir, so I'm listening to you too because that goes of together with that. And I'm always listening to Dylan, but that doesn't count because I always am. True. Um, I was listening. I've been listening to the Clash on vinyl. Clash on vinyl. Okay. Mm-hmm. Punk. Okay. You know, punk. Early. You know, late seventies. Mm-hmm. Early punk scene. Late seventies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Give me one more. You got to five. If you get one more. Okay. All right. Uh, Radkey. <laughs> R A D K E Y. Radkey. Okay. A, a punk rock band. Heavy. Pretty heavy punk rock band. Three black kids. And I know them. You, are they local? They are local. They are okay. local. Uh, but they've been doing things like opening for the Foo Fighters. All right. Oh. So, you know, they're doing it. They're out they're there making doing some, it. They're making some ways. Yeah. Okay. Can I have you do some diagnosis on... Uh, sorry, I threw my keys there in my way. Um, I had a musical transformation around the time I turned 40. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see if you could explain this to me. <laughs> around 40... Part of it is in conjunction with Yellowstone, the TV show. I don't know if you watched that or not. I, I, I'm aware of it. I haven't watched it. Okay. I started listening to country music. Oh, not like not, not pop Nashville country okay. music. All right. Now, but like, okay. you, yeah, country music. Real. Right. Like Ryan Bingham. I was Bingham. you meant faux. Careful. Yeah. Country music. Here's, I like pop music. I don't like... Pop country pop music country. for some reason. That's not my that's thing. Not no judgment if that's your thing. But why at 40 did I start listening to like Ryan Bingham and Chris Stapleton? And Chris Stapleton like, is awesome. I love Chris Stapleton. Yeah, he's, he's amazing. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's roots. It's earthy. You want to know where you come from? You live in Austin, for crying out loud. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're wanting to access your roots. Uh-huh. Do you know Steve Earle? That's not really country. It is. I don't know if it's country or not, but I yeah. love Steve Earle. Okay, Steve yeah, Earle. I love okay. Steve Earle. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's the kind of country I like. Oh, and you could even go like really country, like like Hank Williams, Merle yeah. Haggard, that sort of yep. thing. I just don't like yeah. the pop stuff. 
No, I mean, that's, I don't like that's any not my... kind of pop music. Now, now I'm going to offend everybody, but I don't like pop music. I just don't. I never have. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, I'm not saying it's noble or virtuous. I'm just saying I don't and yeah. never have. Everyone's I mean, got I like, thing. I like rock. I like heavy stuff. I like folk. I like blues. I like, I like, I like some R and B. I like jazz. I like reggae. I hate pop music. Really? See, I, I I grew up in Philadelphia, and so I was a big hip hop fan for much of my life. My brother, I, I, I actually appreciate hip hop. Uh, you know, Eminem is also from St. Joseph. I That's mean, right. He used, to, he used to hang out on our church steps on 11th Street when he was <laughs> a kid. That is so crazy. I, you've told yeah. me that story before, and it's it's still fascinating Marshall. to hear it. Marshall. Oh, Marshall. Adams. His grandma attended our church for years and years and years. Wow. So you didn't get him to come back and ever perform at one of your you know, gatherings? He, 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 he got married here. They tore down the middle school a few years ago that he attended, and he came back just to... You know, like a few days before they demolished it, he wanted to relive his memory. So I think he has. I mean, he plays up the Detroit connection because that works for a rapper. But, yeah, that makes more sense. But yeah. uh, I think, you know, it's his formative years were here. And so I think it has a place in his heart, no doubt. When you said he got married here, you mean the city, not like your church. Right. Yeah. yeah I don't know okay. who did the wedding. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't okay. Know. But, so you, but I know it might have even been a civil ceremony, but okay. it was here. It was there. Okay, yeah. so you didn't get Eminem to come to your church, but rumor is you no. actually got Beth Moore to come to your church recently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was just with us for this How's past that? weekend. What was uh, she doing? You know, Beth and I, we've known of each other from a distance, mm-hmm. and, but, uh, but that was never quite my world. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know her. And I just found her to be entirely lovely. She's, the, mm-hmm. she's humble, she's funny, she's polite. Great to hang out with her team, her team and our team. You know, Word of Life Church team and the Living Proof. We, they just got along so good, hmm. and uh, yeah, feel like I have a new friend. Okay, what did she talk about while she was there? Peace. She she talked about peace, and and I liked all the graphics. And I know this was partly because her her person that does her tech stuff with graphics and projection and all that is a friend of mine. So. He really played up all this peace sign stuff, kind of hippie vibe. Because he, he knew you. Like he's yeah, playing yeah we're friends. The, the theme yeah. song was Peace Train, you know, the Cat Stevens. They, kept, they were playing that every session. And, but that was kind of, I think, done for me, actually. Yeah, I mean, that's nice. So, like, they came yeah. to your house, and they respect right, exactly. kind of your, your vibe. And you're like, okay, that's good. Okay, well, I'm glad that was a good time. A couple weeks ago, I was with a friend of mine, a uh, longtime friend, dear friend. And he said that he is thinking about getting into lectionary preaching because of one person. Mm. You know that person is? It's you. BZ. So my friend is entertaining getting into lectionary, which how how long have you been uh, doing the lectionary for now? Well, it depends on what you mean by doing the lectionary. I mean Uh, preaching through it. Well, here's what we basically do. The length of time may be... We have been engaging in various ways with the lectionary for nigh on 20 years, so it's not all that new with us. Um, What we basically do is, since since Word of Life is a non-denominational church, which I am not advocating, I don't Mm -hmm. think it's the way to do it. My only defense is, it's what happened. Why is it not the way to do it? I think you, you know, it's just, it's just too easy to be completely independent and to a fault do your own thing. Mm -hmm. So... You know, we found great life in tapping into the great tradition. We're kind of, you know, like unaffiliated rock and roll Anglican. <laughs> rock and roll. A little bit okay. what we're like. Um, but what we typically do is preach from the lectionary beginning with Advent. Although I was preaching from the lectionary this past weekend. So sometimes I will do it anyway. But, but certainly we, we try to really stick with it from Advent all the way through to... Uh, the beginning of ordinary time. Mm-hmm. Then that's roughly six months. That's half the year. That mm-hmm. gives the other half of the year. Sometimes we will do, go ahead and just default to the lectionary, but it. But it also because you're not going to find finding God in the music. Yeah, that, <laughs> in the I lectionary. That, yeah, that's so, serious. So we leave the other six months, the ordinary time period, for you know series and things that we want to do like that. So we, but I, but we always have a reading the gospel portion generally. 
uh, we always have a scripture reading 90% of the time or more. It's the gospel portion from the Revised Common Lectionary as part of our Sunday worship. So that's always there throughout the mm-hmm. Um, but preaching from it, you know, I've probably been doing that oh, well over 10 years, 12, 15 years. I don't know. It's hard to remember now. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it. For for some of us who haven't preached a lecture, myself included, one of the concerns is, well, you don't have any regularity. There's there's not a, you know, for, so what I'm doing for Advent is I'm doing Revelation 12. And I'll probably reference the lectionary readings in conjunction mm-hmm. with what I'm doing. But I have, you know, one text and we're working through this. And so people know what they're getting into and you can kind of build on last week. And there's kind of some continuity there. This, maybe some of our concern with the lectionary is like, well, you're kind of just, we don't know what we're getting every week and it's hard to kind of build on it. Have, have you found that to... What, what do you uh, mean you don't know what you're getting every week and it's hard to build on it? Well, because, like in term, Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, if you know, we're having four weeks in a row from Revelation 12, right. they can be reading that text, they can have expectation for what it is, whereas the lectionary, I mean, if you're sticking with the gospel reading, there's going to be more continuity, right? And that's typically what you do, am I guessing correctly? Yeah, but I mean, they're, 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 the lectionary is not hodgepodge. I mean, there's a genius mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it goes with the church calendar. Yeah. So, lectionary and church calendar go together. And it's not just, oh, let's have some random Old Testament reading, some random epistle, some random... No, they there's a genius. Now, it is, sometimes it's readily apparent. It isn't... Like, okay, for th- this coming Sunday, I don't know when people are going to encounter this podcast, but this Sunday, November 20th, yeah. is the last Sunday of ordinary time. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the end of the... Define ordinary time. Long journey. Hmm? Define ordinary time for my listeners who don't know what that means. Uh, Ordinary time is the roughly six month period between. um, Well, it's easier to let me say it this way. So, so all Christians, virtually all Christians, like a little bit of the calendar at least because you like Christmas and Easter. Yeah, for sure. But that's given to us by the calendar. And the calendar is much bigger than that. And you have Advent. We're going to talk about that, I presume. Yeah. Uh, so, it, so it takes us through the story of Jesus all the way through to Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Then there's a period of time where you're not necessarily tracing the whole story of Jesus. Sometimes some things pop up. Like, like nine months before Christmas, you're going to have a Sunday that emphasizes the Annunciation. Mm-hmm. You can figure that one out. You know, nine-month gestation, all that. So yeah, it's biology um, right there. Yeah. But we call it ordinary time because you, you are not in these series of the big seasons, like Advent and Lent and Epiphany and all that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the ordinary time. Gotcha. Okay, Which so let's sometimes do- I like to call it kingdom time. But kingdom? Because, well, you have a lot of readings uh, that emphasize. Okay, this Sunday, November 20th, is, let's, do, no. let's do the 27th, where you're, you're, first, you're doing the uh, Genesis 3 text. From mm-hmm. your, let's, let's stick with your, the, uh, the Advent well, book. Well, that's that, not necessarily that. See, you're mixing two things up. Okay, well, it's your book. I'm trying to like, you know, kind right, of cross-pollinate well, okay, here. My book is not necessarily based on the lectionary. It is somewhat, mm-hmm. but not entirely. But what, I'm going to, but what I'll be preaching through Advent and Christmas is the Sunday reading in The Anticipated Christ, A Journey Through Advent and Christmas. Um, okay. Okay, so the Sunday reading. Let's go with it. If you didn't want to do the Genesis 3 from November 27th, let's do the November 20th reading. Well, the, no, this is what I love. This is, this is, this is beautiful. I gotta, let me grab something. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm going to fill some time. Okay, so what Brian John is doing, he's in his downstairs basement. He's just—he's still talking, but what he's doing is that he's walking across the room because here's the great thing about BZ. He's been the same place forever. He can just stay in his basement all day. Yeah, and work. I needed to get my book of common prayer. It was over there. Okay. Sure. Um, so this Sunday is Christ the King Sunday. The my gospel. book of common prayer is closer. Does that mean I'm more spiritual than you or not? That yours on the other side of the room? Well, I had, also, another, you, I had one right here, but it's smaller print. I, I want can, a bigger can one. you read for the people what mine says on the uh, cover of my... Luke Norsworthy, Honorary Episcopalian. Well, okay, you're an Honorary <laughs> Episcopalian. I'm a rock and roll Anglican. <laughs> yeah. Big shout out to St. Matt's, our church across the street. They gave this to me. So That's awesome. Yeah. 
Okay, carry so, on, carry on. So this Sunday, it's the, it's the end. We're going to start over. We're going to start over the following Sunday. First Sunday mm-hmm. of Advent, we'll start over. But this is the culmination. And how does it end? It ends with Christ as King. What is the gospel reading? You're at the end of the... No, it's not, it's not like ascension. That, that's that's mm-hmm. another place in the calendar. It's Christ upon the cross. And the, and the interaction between Jesus and the believing thief. Because hmm. he, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm-hmm. And then the gospel reading, dang, I just want to, I mean, the, 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 the epistle reading, the New Testament reading, as we call it actually, uh, is Colossians 1. I won't, I won't read it all. Just do I'll, your thing. We're here for the ride. a little bit of this. This is so good. This is, uh, listen, listen to the six times you hear all things. Okay, it's Christ the King Sunday. The gospel mm-hmm. reading is Christ upon the cross. And uh, one of the thieves confessing that he is a king coming into his kingdom. And then we have this passage here. Uh, Colossians 1, beginning in verse 13. Listen to the six times you hear all things. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to preach a sermon called Christ of all things. Okay. From this passage. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in Him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in all things. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. All things. That's that. That's Paul at the pinnacle of his Christology. Mm-hmm. So that's the reading that you're going to be doing. That's this Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the gospel reading in in worship will be Christ upon the cross, mm-hmm. King of King of Kings, mm-hmm. King of the Jews, and, and and remember me when you come into your kingdom. The New Testament reading is that passage, and that's what I'm going to preach from. Got preach from Colossians. Uh, okay, just for those who aren't but familiar, I'll tie them together because they go together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you have a gospel reading, you have uh, an epistle reading, you have the uh, Old, Old Testament, Testament and a Psalm and a Psalm, which Psalm and, is and a Psalm in the Old isn't Testament. always in the Book of Psalms. This past Sunday, the Psalm was Isaiah twelve. It's the Song of Salvation. It is a Psalm, but it's not. All the Psalms are not necessarily found in the Psalter, the Book of gotcha. the Psalms. So, functionally, it's poetry, an right. Old Testament reading, yeah. right. gospel reading, New Testament reading, and you can kind of, you, you have the freedom to kind of pick whichever lane you want to go. It's choose your own adventure from those. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's again, exactly I'm, right. I'm not a real I have not I'm found honorary. it restrictive. I, I've never had a moment where I thought, well, this was, this kind of on my heart, mm-hmm. but the lectionary's got me locked up here. Yeah, I haven't had that problem. Okay. You find and you've been, doing, you've been doing it for years, half, basically half the year you're preaching lectionary, half the year right. you're and doing... Right, of course, there's a three-year cycle. Mm-hmm. So it isn't, there's, there's years A, B, and, B and C. C. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we have the Advent book, The Anticipated Christ, which mm-hmm. all my listeners need to go get. The way it's set up, you have a reading from OBZ, and then there's a, uh, a, a text that you pair with what you've written and then a prayer to go with it so it's right. a perfect like daily devotional if that's it's language like three, it's three little pages a day it's you know you could read it in three or four minutes I'm urging people to slow down and take more time with it but yeah yeah, or you can read it in thirty seconds. I mean, I'm just saying it's not very long. <laughs> if you're a fast reader, it's you know, it, it yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. But uh, the point though is that the idea, like, it's to slow down because part of what we don't do so well, which is what Advent is inviting us into, mm-hmm. is a different rhythm to slow down, to to wait. Um, the idea of Advent is arrival, um, mm-hmm. but the arrival doesn't happen like right away. It, it requires patience. So. Um, 
someone's beginning an Advent practice for the first time, and they got your book, and they're doing what you said. That, you know, they're going to do the reading from Scripture. They're going to do your reading. They're going to do the prayer, the meditation. What do you kind of hope, and what is your prayer for them as they're experiencing Advent along with you? A couple of things. Um, you've touched on some of them a little bit. Um, we all know that there is, there is the secular Christmas season, even though it's mm-hmm. borrowed from the church. We, we, all, we all know that it's busy. Mm-hmm. And it is. I mean, let's just face it, it is. We're not probably going to change that. I'm not saying that we should change that. Mm-hmm. But try to find another compartment in your being where instead of being busy, you're, you're slowing down. Mm-hmm. And it's just a portion of your day where you're going to try to lean into the sense of, you know, I'm thinking of Carly Simon's anticipation is making me wait. And, and just slow down, and I, I, w- I want people to feel Israel's centuries-long yearning for the coming of Messiah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, that's why I, start, we start, I start in Genesis, just one reading in Genesis, the proto-gospel mm-hmm. about the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. And then I jump all the way up to Isaiah, and I tell you in the book, look, we've, we've, we're skipping over, you know, a lot of history. I mean, we're skipping over the patriarchs and Moses and the Exodus and David, and then going immediately to the prophets, because it's from the prophets that we gain expectation of Messiah. The other thing, though, is I want to lean more and more and more into the narrative nature of the gospel. One of the things that has impoverished the gospel, in my opinion, is to make it formulaic and to turn it into a, like, how to go to heaven when you die, or Mm -hmm. a plan of salvation, or a Roman road, or four spiritual laws. The the gospel is, quite simply, the story of Jesus. Mm -hmm. But the story of Jesus doesn't necessarily begin. I mean, you can begin wherever. I mean, if you want to really make it succinct you can have death burial and resurrection but you know it'd be better to begin in bethlehem but if you want the director's cut edition you back way up good metaphor and you have all kinds of uh story you know it's mm-hmm. a long story it's it's a it's the best story and here is it this i don't know if any preachers listen to this podcast maybe here's the secret a few. To preaching a few. here's the secret make it a story and make Jesus the hero of the story. The, the capacity for story to fascinate people is actually endless. Yeah. It really is. And I've learned that people will think I'm preaching a good sermon if all I do is tell a Bible story that they already know as well as I do but I, if I tell it well, they've heard it. They've heard it a thousand times. But if you tell the story again and tell it well, they'll be enraptured by it. You and, we have the, and we have, this is, this is universally true. Humans are the storytelling animal. Yep. But, I mean, we're the ones that bring narrative meaning to the phenomenon of existence by the stories we tell. As Christians, we just quite frankly have the absolute best story of all time. You will appreciate this because of your love of rock music. There is a band uh, based in Mesa, Arizona, outside of Phoenix, named Jimmy Eat World. Oh, yeah. Their, and their drummer is, is a fan I, of mine. I, I, I'm getting to Zach, okay? Just let me get to my punchline here. So years ago, Zach said something about, we don't go to church to hear, and, and maybe this is in the context of like playing the hits and like the middle, which is obviously their fa- uh, most popular song mm-hmm. uh, at a popular level. Um popular song in a popular that was a terrible sentence but um he said you know we don't go to church to hear something new as much as we go to church to remember what we already believe and so your point about telling the story is like they know the story of the good samaritan or they know the story of the prodigal son but we still want to hear it again like um, i heard it my daughter read it from her kid's bible last night my eight-year-old and there was like a little layer to it in the kid's book that was like I've told this. I've I've read now and stuff on it. Like that's some of the best stuff on the prodigal son. But this little kids book had this one little line that I missed a detail to the story being told. And so there's this beautiful element that happens when these stories, the story, is told where Jesus 
is a hero. And so you talk about the director's cut, which I love that metaphor. But in your book, you go to the, what you call the proto-gospel, Genesis three fifteen, where there is a prediction that the offspring of Eve will crush the head of the serpent. And so from the very beginning, like you, you're pointing the story all the way back there that we see something is happening and here's the problem and this person, Eve, her descendant will be the solution, will be the hero of the story. Yeah. <laughs> and so... I felt like you were going to jump in in the middle there. Um, and so there's this long story that we're telling. You talk about the importance of narrative instead of formulaic approach. Instead of the Jesus died because you're a sinner, you were destined right. for hell, and so Jesus gets you out of hell, and this sort of like transactional thing that, you know, you know, it, you know, God's the villain that we need to save you from. Big brother Jesus comes home, takes the punishment, and yeah. now you get the reward. But instead of narrative... How do you think it helps people experience who Jesus is differently when it's not formulaic, but it's instead narrative? Well, that's where Jesus shines. Jesus isn't then just a factor in a salvation equation. Mm-hmm. We, get, we get to see his beauty. We get to see his mystery. We get the element of surprise. I'm always struck by how if... I mean, I, I wish I could read the gospel... Mm-hmm. or the Gospels, for the first time again. <laughs> that would be pretty special. Because there's so many surprises. Jesus virtually never says exactly what you think he's going to say. And it's hmm. just, it's... So it's by story, though, that we avoid the abyss of nihilism. You see how so? Well, nihilism is is the yawning chasm that awaits us if we can't find any purpose of life. That that we think, oh, life doesn't have a meaning. There isn't a meta narrative. There isn't any. It's just you know here we are. We're an accident, and you know we. So if if you if you don't, I think most people can't bear. Uh, the emptiness of nihilism. They have mm-hmm. to make their life a story. Or they have to, they have to I should say, they have to, yeah, they, they need a storyline for their life to give it meaning. And if we don't give the gospel story, then some other story comes along. Mm-hmm. You know, the American story, or now you, have, you can have the QAnon story, or something like that, where, where if, if we don't give the gospel for what it is, it actually is a story, which doesn't mean it isn't a true story, it just means that... It's narrative, yeah. It's narrative. That if we don't give people that story, then they're, they're going to reach out for other stories. Mm-hmm. So think about this. Remember, of course you remember, you're a preacher, but um, Mary of, of Bethany anoints Jesus with perfume worth a year's wages mm-hmm. you know during passion week and people and people criticize her why this waste this, this is a, this isn't this is a good example this is what wasn't going to be my point but i'm going to bring it out if you if you're reading the gospel for the first time and a woman has a bottle of perfume that's worth let's let's you know, that's worth thirty thousand dollars <laughs> yeah First of, first of all, we're scandalized right there that yeah. somebody owns a bottle of perfume that's worth three, 30 grand. And she takes it and she pours it all on his head in just one extravagant moment. And then people around the table, apostles, mind you, are saying, why this waste? This money could have been sold for $30,000. This perfume could have been sold for $30,000 and given to the poor. You expect mm-hmm. Jesus to go... Yeah, that's right. That's right, Mary. And he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He says, no, yeah. no, no, no. She's done a beautiful thing. Leave her alone. And then he says, wherever the gospel is proclaimed, what this woman has done will be told in honor of her. See, I, but I, so that, that, of, that moment, that story is part of the gospel. And yet, you know, you never, you never find the story of Mary of Bethany and her extravagant gift in a gospel tract. Because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're committed to reducing everything down to little bullet points, you know, yeah. formula. Yeah. Uh, but no, she's, 
that that moment is part of the gospel. Jesus yeah. says it, right? It's part of the gospel. It is. Yeah, yeah. Jesus says that. And so there's this beautiful story that we're invited into. Advent, mm-hmm. this anticipation is the story that we're invited to live into. And part of the anticipation we live into is not only that Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago, but that he will arrive again. And in some ways, Advent is this anticipation, not just to celebrate on December 25th what happened 2,000 years ago, but to continue to hold on to this anticipation that the story has a resolution where the king comes back and brings it on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, that's why the gospel readings and the some of the gospel readings in the um, the sun, during Advent are from the Olivet Discourse, which can be problematic a little bit. How so? Well, because the Olivet Discourse is mostly not is mostly about the impending disaster that's about to befall Jerusalem within yeah. a generation. You know, the destruction of Jerusalem in the year 70 that Jesus is warning them about. But, but on the other hand, Christ shall come again to judge the living and the dead. So we, we are, I just, I don't like to have readings from the Olivet Discourse without there being some opportunity to bring some clarification. Um, because what be, would here, be, here's why. Well, here's one of the reasons. There's many reasons, but here's one. Because then you'll get people saying, yeah, but, but there's no sense in getting all worked up about peace because there's going to be wars and rumors of wars before the second coming. And then that gets tied in with terrible interpretations of Revelation. And so you end up with people, and I'll, I mean not a few, who believe that a mega war in the Middle East is inevitable before Jesus Christ returns. Well... It, do we want Jesus to return? We do. But if we believe that a mega war in the Middle East is in it, has, has to precede that, then we're thrown into this awkward position of being like the only people in the world that are actually secretly rooting for a mega war in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so that's where it needs clarification. Uh, Have, but but the, you, the idea that Advent, as we remember Israel's long wait for the coming of Messiah, also informs our wait for the parousia, the appearing, the return of the king. Yeah, that's, that's important. That's valid. That's true. Amen. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of uh, Telos, the organization that does um, kind of uh, introduction to the geopolitical crisis in the Middle East? And so they do um, oh, yeah. a lot of peacemaking work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Todd yeah. Dethris. I, I don't know them. My wife does. My wife has oh, done yeah. events with them in... Perry's been to Israel numerous times without yeah. me. And, One of the, uh, yeah, she's actually had more involvement with with the Israel Palestine than I have. And, well, the, uh, what I was going to say is, like yeah. the director, he he's talked about how what's his name? Uh, Todd Dethridge. Yes, yes. Yeah, he I, was, I know uh, him from a distance, but Perry knows him. He's he's an amazing person. I've yeah. really always been impressed with my interactions with him. He's been on the podcast uh, at least once or twice. Mm-hmm. But uh, w- one of the things that he talks about as someone who was in the political, he was working in the State Department for right. Condoleezza Rice years ago, and he came to the realization like we we can't work through this intractable conflict there unless we talk about the way that evangelical pastors in the United States and the way that they interpret exactly. texts like the one you mentioned shapes the American political discourse and sp- specifically our foreign policy. And so right. there are very real consequences, very real consequences that come from unhealthy readings of that very text you're talking about. Yeah, there, the, uh, just so everyone knows, uh, there need be no other war for Christ to come again. Yeah, and so we can be followers of the Prince of Peace leading the way in turning swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Right yeah, now. Yeah. Yes, and when we say amen to the Lord's Prayer, bring it on earth as is in heaven, we're committed to live that out. Like, that's yeah. a decision that we're making when we say that prayer. And, okay, so I, I want to work through this uh, anticipa- anticipated Christ. One of the things that you have in there is the entire 12 days of Christmas. Yeah. Which is kind of a new phenomenon for some of us. Mm-hmm. Why, why is not the uh, Advent reader coming to a close on Christmas Day? Like, December 25th, we got it, we're here. Way to go. Well, first of all, it's an, it says right on the cover, a journey through Advent and Christmas. <laughs> and we're also going to land on Epiphany, which we can talk about in a moment. Well, 
you know, the, the moment the Word becomes flesh, salvation is inevitable. How so? Now, 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 well, because God has joined us. Mm-hmm. God has assumed humanity. He has entered into the problem. He, he has arrived in our predicament as one of us. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be saved. Now, things have to play out. I mean, Jesus is going to have to grow up. And, and all that happens, you know, all the, that is the gospel story is, is there. But it's a foregone conclusion. Our salvation begins the moment the word becomes flesh. And so then we, we that's, you know, so, well, we, we really focused on the birth. And it's just too big of a, I don't want a word, word to use. It's just too big a deal. Can, can I ask you to, to, re, to restrict to one day? This is, a, this is a 12-day feast. The Christmas carol is right. It is the 12 days of Christmas. It's a big deal. We can't just do it in one day. It needs more than that. A lot of people yeah, want so, to burst. So in my house, you know, I mean, we're somewhat Johnny-come-latelys to this, although like almost 20 years now. But, you know, I didn't grow up in a liturgical church. And word of life, you know, in its first whatever, 25 years wasn't that way. Uh, but in our church, our, in our home, you know, the idea that we would take the Christmas tree down before Epiphany, it was, that's just not going to happen. It's going to stay up. And um, now, but I don't, there, there are, there are like liturgical police out there that are going to say, no, you can't even, don't even think about putting the Christmas tree up before Christmas Eve. And don't you dare sing a Christmas carol like, you know, in the middle of December. I, I'm not going to fight that battle. I understand the idea behind it, but I'm going to choose my battles and I'm not choosing that one. And yeah. so, yes, there is a conflation within the wider culture of Advent and Christmas is kind of the same thing or the same season. I get that. And the, the idea that you, if we could, if we could turn the clock back and have Advent as one season and then Christmas as a separate season, I'd be for it. It isn't going to happen, so I'm not going to fight that battle. My wife put up our Christmas tree uh, four days ago. So uh, I would rather stay married what, than... Where, 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 it's, it's November. I, okay. I know. But you know what? Uh, but you know what? You know what? I'm not here to judge. No, I've been married almost 20 years, and so one of the things I've learned that makes a successful marriage is for me not to ask questions and just do what I'm told. And so ideologically, I'm aligned with the idea of Advent and then Christmas, you know, on Christmas Day, but in for the sake of marriage, because Jesus tells us, or God says God hates divorce, I want to celebrate God's commitment to marriage more than I do a there traditional definition of um, Advent and Christmas. Okay, so we've got, uh, we've got that. When Jesus comes to earth, there is salvation. How would you define what that salvation means when Jesus comes to earth if you were able to use a word outside of the Christian vocabulary of salvation? When you're saying that salvation has to happen because of the incarnation, what are you meaning? I would I mean, we could use the word rescue. Mm-hmm. The, the, everybody knows. I mean, there's, you don't have to be a theologian to realize that something has gone profoundly wrong with what it means to be human. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're the only thing that's going wrong here. Mm-hmm. I mean, the giraffes are fine at giraffeness, right? Yeah. So we humans seem to be falling short mm-hmm. of what our vocation is. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be rescued. I mean, I think it's the one thing that almost everyone can agree on. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone can say something has gone profoundly wrong with mm-hmm. human beings that seems to be unique mm-hmm. there there isn't that same kind of uh moral disaster anywhere else except among humans and so we need some kind of rescue mm-hmm. we we need something that can um recover what it was in that we what we were intended to be mm-hmm. and and i just i insist that this is being accomplished is accomplished and being and is being accomplished in Christ. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. And that this this is what we celebrate. This is what we're yearning for during Advent. This is what we're celebrating during Christmas is that God has intervened and intervened mm-hmm. um, personally. That that God joined us. You know that that song is it Alanis Morissette? What if God was what one if God of God was us? one of us? Yeah. Well, a stranger on the bus. Right. Yeah, that that song's a great song. I mean there's a lot of I, you know, I don't know how much she thought about that theologically. Maybe she's just an artist that picked it up, you know? She's Canadian, the, maybe. The, the, the prophetic yeah. and the poetic are related. Yeah, they are. But, but that, I love that song. You know, people get scandalized because, you know, just a, a slob like one of us. You know, I, I think it's great. I think, I think it makes you really wrestle with the incarnation. You know, one of the, one of the early Christian heresies was docetism. Mm-hmm. And docetism is, if you were translated into English, it would be seemism. Seem. So the, the heresy is this: Well, Jesus wasn't fully human; he just seemed like he was human. It was like Jesus on Halloween dressed up. Jesus is God Pretended on Halloween dressing up in a human costume, kind of pretending to be human. I think most American conservative Christians are default docetists. They don't even know what it is, but I think I think most most conservative Christians in America are fully convinced of the deity of Christ. They are not fully convinced of the full humanity of Christ. And I think there is a world of endless mystery to explore. The con that that God is that Jesus is fully human, fully God. He walks on water and he sits at the well of Sychar, weary from his journey. And those two things can never be separated. Mm-hmm. And so, one of the things I just love during the the Advent Christmas season is just meditating on the mysteries of the incarnation. Things like, I mean, they're kind of they're theological games, but did Jesus know he was God? And I think the answer ultimately is. Yes, I would say yes, but he, but when is he aware? Is is he born? You know, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, saying, "Well, there I am, God, oh God, yeah," and I'm can't even walk or talk, and I'm all wrapped up in these swaddling clothes. No, he. I don't think at that moment the infant Jesus has any more awareness of his own being than any infant but he grows into that not by the time he's 12 mm-hmm. there's there's something he, he he's saying things that must be about my father's business and he's talking about god uh but i i think it's this is a worthy enterprise to to meditate deeply on the incarnation maybe if you're more if you are inclined you know theologically you could read uh athanasius on incarnation you could begin to explore torrance i forget which one it is <laughs> that wrote a great big huge book called Incar- the incarnation um but that's if you're into like academic theology yeah there, there's a lot there and i'd never even heard of torrance's writing so uh you know maybe i need to read the cliff notes on that but uh We've got 12 days of Christmas in this Advent mm-hmm. reader, but then we get Epiphany. We get right. the message right. of Jesus to the Gentiles. Why do, we, why do we have to end up there? Why does it go right to that story, or that part of the story? Well, because this is, um, this is the spoiler, or the foreshadowing. Maybe, the, maybe foreshadowing would be better. Because remember what what we're going to get we're going to we're going to okay Jesus is born and he grows up and he begins his ministry and he goes to Jerusalem he's crucified he's raised Pentecost mm-hmm. okay this this is a long story you're covering a, you know, a lot of time here and then sometime later you know we don't know exactly three four five years later maybe we don't know um, we're discovering that Gentiles as Gentiles can be saved. So, so think of it like this. If prior to what happens with Peter and Joppa and then his meeting Cornelius and Caesarea, if you had asked Peter, and this is like you know a few years after Pentecost, um, if we'd quizzed him on his theology, he basically would have said, well, you know, the, the true God, the living God is the God of Jews only. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Savior, the Messiah, the Mashiach, Jesus, is the Savior of Jews only. 
and this kingdom of God is for Jews only. Now, if we as Gentiles said, well, what about us? Peter would have said, you can become a Jew. Mm-hmm. You convert. So, so that salvation in his mind would have been a two-step process for a Gentile. Gentiles become Jews and then have access to the Jewish God, Savior, kingdom. But then all of that gets wiped out. With the vision, you know, stop calling unclean what I've declared clean. And, and Peter preaches at the home of Cornelius and there's a repeat of Pentecost and it becomes evident that God is accepting Gentiles as Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Well, so things that had been hinted at in the prophets are going to be fulfilled in Christ in that the Gentiles are going to receive the epiphany, the revelation of who God is in Christ. If you, if you think about if you think about the accomplishment in the western world how Jesus succeeds in making the God of Israel God. I mean, when when people when when atheists in the western world say I don't believe in God, unless they're coached or trained or practiced in it, they never say I don't believe in the gods. They, they say, I don't, believe in, uh, I don't believe in God. And the God they mean is the God that has triumphed and wiped out all the other competitors. Mm-hmm. Well, this is all foreshadowed when you have these mysterious magi. They are, they are, this is a great story. They're like, they're sorcerers maybe? They're mm-hmm. certainly astrologers, not just astronomers. They are, you know... They are ancient astronomers, but they're also divining meanings from the stars. Yeah. I think it's completely prohibited to the Jewish. Big no-no. Big no-no. Yeah. And, but, but they're there in Persia. They're reading the stars, and they, they figure out that something auspicious has happened, that one born king of the Jews has been born. They knew King of Jesus has been born and and they, they come and, you know, I don't have to keep telling the story, but it's a good story. It's a good story. And, you know, they show up in Jerusalem because that's where you would go, right? And mm-hmm. they end up almost wrecking the whole thing because <laughs> they tip off Herod and then yeah. Herod freaks out. Big and then they had to figure, no, 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 it's not, it's not Jerusalem, it's Bethlehem. So, Epiphany means, you know, revelation, unveiling. Ah, I had an epiphany. And so this is the epiphany of God revealed in Christ to the Gentiles. Because the first, the first Gentile worshipers of Christ are these magi. Mm -hmm. And uh, these these wise men. We we call it, we say three, we imagine three, because um, three gifts. But there's no number. Now, at Word of Life, we've done this for, oh, Almost 30 years, not quite 30 years, maybe like 27, 28, I don't know. Our Christmas Eve service is big. We do three service. You know, we have, we have you know, five, six, seven thousand people show up for Christmas Eve at Word of Life. For no small reason, no small part of the reason is we have live camels. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't that, be live that animals. People come to church to see three camels traipsing through the sanctuary is an amazing thing to me, but it's actually true. It's true. And, uh, it gets them over the hump to get there. Come on. Come on now. I'll be here all week. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, and I, think it's, I, think, I think among the Coptic, the Coptic Christians, their tradition is there were 12 magi, to which I say, we ain't going to get 12. No, we don't get 12. No, no, just three. Just three. So you do the big pr- production. It tells yeah. the story. The, you know, the magi this, are coming. This year, this year, Sunday's on Christmas. Or Christmas oh, is on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you know this, but yeah, don't don't you, think we haven't had plenty of meetings trying to figure out the best. What do you guys, are you guys doing Christmas Eve, obviously, and Christmas Day? Yep. The same. Look, look, we do these. We'll do three, two, four, six p.m. Is that what it is? Or is it four, six, and eight p.m.? I don't mm-hmm. remember what times are. I'll be there though. Yeah, you'll be there. Um, we'll do three services. We could we could fill a fourth one, and I think it's just we're too. Tired, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we we have to get so many volunteers that it's hard to get four crews, so we're only doing three. But uh, you know that's Christmas, Christmas Eve, and, and then, then Christmas Day. What are you and doing? Then we're going to roll right around, and we're going to be there, and we're going to keep it simple, and we're going to make it short. And we're going to sing Christmas carols and tell the story one more time, and wish everybody a Merry Christmas and go home. But there is no thought 
that on actual Christmas Day, because it's on the Lord's Day, that we don't gather. Now, I know, I'm, first of all, there's, I haven't, I, there'll be zero, there's, I mean, I, most of the church will come on Sunday morning, I mean, on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve. They, they probably are going to show up on, I don't care, that's fine. Here's what I do think, though, because online has become such a big deal. I really do think tons of people will join us that way. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. So they're going to tune in on Christmas Day. And if I, I feel like I've got this down, but you're going to end your sermon. You'll end with the creed, and then you'll end with an invitation to the table. Yeah. Right? Isn't that kind that's of your, for, your... That's for sure going to happen. Your, your go-to yeah. right there. And, I mean, pretty good choices there. And you a have, prayer of confession. Prayer of confession, we, we, creed. We confess our sins, receive forgiveness, come to the table. Okay. But you have um, the, the invitation to the table. Is it uh, pr- pretty much the same week in and week out? Yeah, no, it's memorized. It's the same. I can give okay. it if you want. And that's where I was going. Could you? Could you I'd love to hear I, it. Yeah. This, I didn't write this. I, I mm. think it came from the Iona community, if you know okay. who I, what I mean by that. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's where it came from. Okay. This is the table. Not of the church, but of the Lord. I'm going to pause there. What that means, because that throws some people It means that we're actually throwing down the gauntlet a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that, that Word of Life definitely takes a stand in the realm of open communion. We think okay. that's not just polite. We think it's, I think it's indefensible to say that we are going to refuse anyone who comes in good faith to receive the body and blood of Christ. In other words, our table, the way we practice communion is informed by the table practice of Christ, and Christ doesn't turn people away. All right, so the invitation is, this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and for those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little You who have been here often and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord who invites you. It is His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Amen. Amen. I think that's a good way to end. Uh, BZ, the book is The Anticipated Christ. I would recommend my listeners uh, get a copy, get a hard copy of it, read through it each day. Or you can do the Kindle version. We... Um, they're, they're available. I just recently learned that. And uh, check it out. Um, BZ, I always appreciate the opportunity to talk to you, so thank you for taking the time. And uh, yeah, great work. Thank you, Luke. <laughs>